Thank you. Welcome to another edition of the Dog or Pass podcast. This for UFC 245, Usman versus Covington. We got three title fights on the card. We also have Cody Saftik here in studio. Coming off of, I don't know if we were all that confident going into the last card. We were just like, we just like all the favorites, and then that worked. And out. then I <laughs> and we 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 isolated Sales as being the person to be Saftik. Which I got got saftic, got on yeah. twister. twister. Like that's the most saftic He's thing so that happened saftic. in a long time. Hard safticking, oh, yeah. deep safticking. Um, but either way, yeah, crushed crushed the card. I didn't hedge out of a parlay because I was just in yolo mode. I felt pretty fortunate getting to you missed you missed a I hedge got, by I four seconds. I felt I felt really really fortunate just to get through Song Yudong with that parlay still intact, and then there was Marina Rodriguez getting ten eight in in uh, round three. Against Cynthia Calvia, who cheated by missing weight and then had tons of energy in round three, but you know that's that's the game. So by the time I got by the time I got to that point in the parlay, I'm just like, you know what, this is seemingly just going to work out. And uh, yeah, apparently two of the judges had it for nothing for overeem, so I was literally four seconds away from an extra like fifteen hundred bucks or so. Yeah, Dems to breaks. Yeah, say la vie. I, whatever. I I gamble more for fun. This is not my profession. My profession, believe it or not. Is production? Oh and, wow! And Couldn't have. I, I would not have been able to. Shocking, tell. right? All right. A little bit by of, the fact that you forgot to put the audio on a couple of weeks ago. I mean, it's a tough, tough <laughs> game doing all of this stuff. All right, but uh, a little bit of housekeeping here. So number one, Lockport Gambino Ford won the freaking draw again. How do you let this happen? Okay, so here's what we're gonna do. So, like Lockport, you know, you everyone, can't tell him to not enter. I mean, he's no. He's, like if he's giving a like to the show a, and giving his DK handle plus his question of the week, which is all the requirements like of this fucking contest. Three one two one something like that. Like I don't even have to write it down. Everyone knows who Lockport Gambino Ford is at this point. We've given here him is, sixty DK dollars. Here's this week's DK giveaway. You gotta one, give the episode a like. Two, in the comments section, leave your DK handle. And a greasy theory of Pat May or what connects Pat Mayo and Lockport Gambino for? Because like this is he's going on a an absolute ridiculous run where it almost seems too good to be true. Like Pat, like this guy, like maybe this guy helped Pat bury a body or something one day. I don't know. I don't know. The or maybe uh, the, this the guy floor is yours. Greasy theory is Pat Mayo. <laughs> maybe Pat. Oh my god. Oh my God! So yeah, in the comments section, money? congratulations to Lockport Gambino Ford. Uh, th- that's if people even want to join it this week, because like Lockport Gambino Ford just collects all the money anyway. Well, now at least they know it's fucking random. I mean, the fact that this guy's won three times is pretty crazy. That's what I because I asked Pat when he won the second time. I'm like, dude, he won like literally two cards ago. Like this is ridiculous. And then Pat didn't pay attention. And then I actually, I don't think I actually sent him the email. Well, he sent it to me this week, like UFC winner. I saw the name again. I was, I actually wrote, I'm like, are you fucking trolling me? But I don't think I hit send because it was at like one o'clock in the morning. He, Pat's got a baby. He thought it was a bad was, dream. Yeah. It's just like, this didn't actually happen, did it? Apparently it did. It did. All right. And then on top of that, uh, Mayo's up for like two different uh, 
uh, awards. Was it only two? I thought it was like six. There's two of them. One of them is the sports gambling. There's only four of them. There's one that's like fantasy analyst, and there's like Lisa Ann. And like Lisa I'm, Ann? I'm, I'm, so, I'm sorry, Pat Mayo. Yeah. I, I, my vote's got to go to Lisa Ann. I love, nah, I'd give it to Pat, but I'd give it to Lisa Ann too. You hear what I'm saying? So yeah, the link will be in the description below. If you guys like the pro- product that we do, like, listen. This stuff is all popularity contest, blah, 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 blah. It's, a lot of it's a lot of nonsense. But um, when you go to the bargaining table and you have awards from that previous year, it helps out me, it helps out Pat, it helps out Cody, it helps everybody out if we can, you know, have an extra bargaining chip there. So link is in the description. Vote as much as you possibly can. I don't know the rules of it. Yeah, you may be and- able to just kind of click ad nauseum but i don't know yeah and in all seriousness like me and pat and i used to live together we were roommates for a few years and uh that guy's the hardest working guy i've ever met like he's up before anybody he used to bet after everybody he is actually deserving he does provide us this platform his show in fact does really well so uh he, he is actually pretty deserving of a vote so if you got time you know it would help out if you're only watching our show for the mma side of things you don't even know who pat mayo is as a favor to us it, it would be nice give him a vote we literally never ask anybody for that's anything. true that's so... uh, that is true if you want to help us out, link is in the description. Vote Mayo. Uh, vote him early. Vote him often. Can you vote more than once? Polls like that suck. It's fixed. But let's fix it in his favor, hopefully. If that's what the case is. I hate polls like that. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know the infrastructure of the website. But like, Don't shoot you, the messenger. If you just happen to click a whole bunch of times and like, who knows? Maybe, maybe it's one a day. Maybe it's a million a day. I don't know. I don't know. All I know is you should vote for Mayo to help us out. Uh, let's get into the action. Why Why don't we? There's, uh, I mean, what a feast. Mm. What a feast this card is. Like, unbelievable top to bottom. But we got a main event that, you know, this is the fight. This is the fight everyone has been waiting for, wanting, and finally we're going to get it. You know, weigh-ins and all that other stuff pending. We got Kamara Usman taking on Colby Covington for the welterweight championship of the world. Usman, minus 180 favorite. Covington, plus 160. Cody, I'm going to throw it to you, and then I will interrupt you very rudely if if you're talking a whole bunch of nonsense, but... Uh, I'll let you take it away to start. Yeah, could be. This one puts little Cody in the old rock and a hard place because I'm probably one of the few people on the planet that considers myself a Usman fan and a Covington fan. Like I like both these guys. And as far as my bank account has gone, both these guys have been phenomenal. I mean, they both have the same 15-1 record. Usman hasn't lost uh, in the UFC, whereas Covington has that one loss to Worley Alves, which cost me a little bit, but... All the same, it's like they've done a great... In Covington's case, on the DK side of thing, like he's doubled down for me as well. Like He's just been an absolute monster. I don't care about the personality. I don't care about the antics. I that Truthfully, I grew up as a wrestling fan until I was like 10 years old. I get it. I get it. And then I go to college, right? And I go to college and I think like, oh man, I want to be like a sportscaster and I want to be on a desk and talking about sports news and do a podcast and do a show. And like, that's that's the envisionment. But like, as you start to get into it, you realize nobody gives a fuck about you. Nope, nobody does, right? It's how are you going to separate yourself from the other people? Like, what makes this show different than any other show? I, I don't know, but we just do our own thing. That seems to jive. That seems to click. We've been doing it for five plus years now. It's like, yeah, it just eventually works. Is it different than other people's shows? I'd like to think Yes. But I'm not an expert because I'm not exactly watching everybody else's shows as well. I just do my thing, and, and if people like it, they like it. Pat Mayo. Pat Mayo made himself a character. He's a personality. He goes out there. He, he has fun segments. Like, that's kind of what you got to do. Covington's case, nobody cares about him. And let's be honest here. This dude comes to the UFC, cookie cutter. 
I mean, he's a white boy with a crew cut. He's from Oregon. He's a wrestler. Who the fuck wants anything to do with this guy? Nobody. Mm-hmm. I'm not just talking about that recent interview All where he talks. All decision. Yeah, and I'm not talking about that Candace Owens interview or whatever where he comes out and he's basically like, oh, I was going to get cut. That's a story he's actually told a number of times. Yeah. Go back to old interviews. He's like, nobody cared about me. And here's the problem with the UFC. And you even look at like big UFC stars. You see the amount of money that they make throughout these fights. It's like, nobody cares. I made 30000 Nobody cares. I made 40000 Nobody cares. I made 50000 but eventually you break through. When you break through, you make a ton of money. Colby Covington may have been able to break through just on the merit of his skills. Maybe he would have. But he wouldn't have gotten those big spots. He wouldn't have been able to headline these pay-per-view cards. Uh, ultimately, he would just be another wrestler from the Midwest who comes in here and wins fights. Like, there's, there's nothing appealing about him. So he takes this persona. And well, what persona is he supposed to have, right? Well, what's there left for him? Make America great again, baby. Make America great again. And it's just a polarizing view. Like, let's say those are his actual political views, and that's okay if it is. It's like people just, it's a it's a lightning rod, right? Mm -hmm. Bugs just go right to the zapper. People want to to speculate. And all that leads to money to be made, Paul, because people don't like him. So they do not bet him. Even if they see value in the line, they don't want to sit there and cheer for Colby Covington during the fight. They want to see him get thrashed. They'll bet accordingly. And you're getting plus 160 on Colby Covington. And what is pretty much a relatively close fight when you think about it stylistically. I, I, yeah, I, I would I would have to take Colby Covington. So that that is that is my play. Love to hear you. Love to debate this. Let's talk about styles. Let's talk about how he's going to get it done. But, but I, I got I to gotta play that value here. I'm glad that, like, my mentality coming into it, and that's why I asked you, I was like, maybe I'm taking crazy pills. Maybe I'm an idiot. I think it's like a pick em, And you're giving <laughs> yeah. me plus 160. It's a good value um, for a so pick em, buddy. It's like, uh, Usman has a lot more power in the hands and, and whatnot. But Does like, he? Does he? I don't think anybody has the cardio that can't, or that, uh, that. Cardio Colby is what we're gonna call him. He took your he took your nickname, Kane. <laughs> um, nobody nobody can keep a pace that Covington can. Um, I mean, the the wrestling kind of gets negated. I think I don't think either one of these guys. The one worry I do have if I do bet Covington is Kamaru Usman is bigger than him. He's very very strong, very domineering figure. Maybe what will that we see do? a what whole shitload of cage work holding him up against the How cage. How do you hold Colby against a cage? I know, for 25 but that's minutes. what I'm saying. Like that's I where I think know, he could man. backing maybe, him up. Backing like, him up just, is tough. Just create an absolute snooze fest and just be able to use that strength. But that that cage work is going to be exhausting against somebody of this level too. No, yeah, plus 160. I remember when this got, when I guess when Usman won his last fight, or no, when uh, Colby won. That was the great. When Colby won against uh, Lawler last time out, they released on one of the books. It was like minus minus 300 plus 250. And I I like quote tweeted it, just like, that is way too wide. Now that line like basically didn't exist. Maybe somebody hit it when it first opened for like small limits or whatever. But when I saw that, I was just like, oh, people. And like, there were people out there just like, there's value on Usman. Maybe I'm completely wrong, and maybe Usman is going to absolutely starch him. But plus 160, this is a pick as far as I'm concerned. And, yeah, and you're he, giving me plus 160 value, I'm, I'm in. Yeah, so Usman's last fight against Tyron Woodley, I crushed the Usman line. Sat on the show, told you why. I thought dog pick Usman was going to defeat the challenger. A lot of people had love for Woodley coming in. How's Usman going to take him down? How's Usman going to deal with the power? Woodley has no fucking pace whatsoever. He allows things to happen. He dictates almost no action. Backs up to the cage. Yeah, and he's had a lot of favorable matchups in his favor. Usman is a stylistical nightmare for this guy. He's going to eat him up. 
he did eat him up. He won all five rounds very comfortably. Now he comes in this fight with Colby. Like that that whole pacing issue, that's off the table. So let's say the wrestling's even. And, and if you want to get super technical about it, on paper, Colby Covington is a better wrestler than Kamara He's D1 Usman. versus D2, but who knows <laughs> yeah, if that yeah. actually stacks up in like real MMA. You put them both in the Olympic Training Center after they came out of college, and I'd love to see that. But mm. anyways, doesn't matter. Regardless of that, let's just say that the wrestling's negated. So now you have the striking. Usman is a good striker. He's a very competent striker, good striker. Colby Covington, he's not nearly as polished as, as Kamara Usman. <clears throat> Sorry, he's just <clears throat> active, so busy. But like he's we saw active. him like Robbie looked completely befuddled. I know the re- having the wrestling as an aspect it's like that's going to make it. him it's drop his it. hands, of course. But it's all, uh, it. it's all of it. I mean, I mean, on on paper, I mean, Rafael dos Anjos is a far better striker than him. I mean, mm-hmm. on paper, Robbie Lawler is a far better striker than him. It just it doesn't matter once he put, starts putting the pressure on you. And I think that's here is the key difference is that because it's twenty five minutes, you've got Colby Covington. Generally, he's the one going forward. Now that's going to play against Usman because I don't know how he's going to react to that trying to be you know a counter puncher. But I think Colby Covington will have more volume over the course of 25, and just try to grind him down. And you talk about, like, oh, you know what? Usman's got power. Maybe Usman catches him. Where I'm saying is that's not a possibility. You look at his track record. Both the fights on the Ultimate Fighter, he won by decision. The rest of his wins in the UFC, he choked out Harrison. Leon Edwards, decision. Yakovlev, decision. Worley Alves, decision. Sean Strickland, decision. He caught Sergio Marais. Mm-hmm. Emil Week. I uh, mean, the, the Marais fight is, yeah. the thing, is the fight that I'm looking at and going... Well, and he had power in that one his, moment. His, his four fights after that, Meek, Maya, Dosanos, and Woodley, again, all decisions. Yeah. So so to think he's going to catch Colby, I don't see it. Is he going to hit Colby and Colbyton's going to cut and Colbyton's going to bleed? Yeah, probably. I mean, Damian Maya cut Colby Covington up. Damian Maya won the first round against Colby Covington. But I think it comes down to the pacing. And if you listen to anything that Covington says, like he divulges a little bit of his game plan, which I wish he wouldn't, but it's very much... He's telling you how to do the tape study. He's saying, watch Kamaru Usman, right? He strikes, strikes, strikes. Whatever he's doing, he acts in a burst, and then he takes that rest period. That rest period is what enables him to set up his next thing. Colby don't rest. But there's no breathing period against Colby Covington. So I'm not looking to talk politics. I'm not talking to look race. No, I'm, not just, I'm just looking at the fight. And the fight is a the close, fight, we're competitive at the fight. fight and the number. And that's, I like that's both. All it is. I, I like both of these guys' yeah. styles. Both these guys have made me money. Both these guys are now clashing, and I see there's more merit here on Colby Covington. So it, people can hate him, and they can bet this price up. Fuck, I don't. I do not care. Yeah, I wonder I if where it's going to move to. I wonder if we're going to get. I think it's going to stay around this. To be perfect. no, yeah, because ultimately, if people start losing parlays and as the card goes on, they'll mm-hmm. be like, "Shit, this is a good price. Fuck it, I'm in." You know. But mm-hmm. as it sits week out, as it sat two, three weeks out when the line got came out, everybody hates this guy. He's yeah. just a polarizing character, and that will play in our benefit here. I couldn't agree more. All right, let's move on to the co-main event. Uh, Arguably an even better matchup. We've got Max Holloway taking on Alexander Gal- Volkanovsky. Holloway is a minus 170 favor. Volkanovsky plus 150. Take it away. Yeah, so if you if you sat down with a piece of paper and you were like, I want to put together the three best fights that could possibly be put together in MMA currently right now at this moment. Khabib versus Ferguson is yep. the best fight you could possibly put together. The next two are on this motherfucking card. Yeah, man. Colby versus Usman is sick. It's the best two welterweights in the world. I absolutely can't wait for it. And then you have legitimately the the greatest featherweight that's ever walked this planet taking on a guy that just looks like he's it's his time. He's ready to, to dethrone Max. I mean, again, yeah, close fight, but I'm going second dog pick on, on Alex Volkanovsky. I could recognize last week that I like the favorites. The favorites are the favorites for a reason. The price makes sense. I get it. But Alex Volkanovsky, I mean, he's got some X factors that could play against Max. Max is 
the better striker. He stays at distance. He's going to pace him up. He's got more output. As far as his takedown defense, Buddy has had it's almost like next, no takedown next defense. Level. Yeah, it doesn't worry. He takes him down. doesn't worry. He's huge. I, it's how you're going to beat Max. That's tough. But I feel like Alexander Volkanovsky could do a lot of the same things that Dustin Poirier did in that maybe it is hard to take down Max, but this guy is extremely strong. Yeah, we talk about he's fighting at 145 pounds, but he used to play professional rugby at like 225. Like he's extremely strong. So I'm not going to rule out completely that he might be able to get some takedowns against Max. If he gets Max down, he could have some success in holding him down. But that aside, as far as the striking exchanges goes, Max more polished, but you got to push a pace on him. And that's one thing that we talked about the Covington fight Covington might not be the superior striker to Kamaru Usman but he could have the superior pace Volkanovski seems to have incredible pace now everyone's talking about hey Max has got the best pace so as we go to rounds four and rounds five if it's competitive through the first three what's Volkanovski going to do but this is something that you and I would talk to right from the get-go you've always always said this always said this the guys had absolutely no problem cruising through 15 minutes yeah if he still got tons of energy at the end of round three I have to assume that in round four he's going to come out looking pretty similar Colby's first fight at five I think people always say oh he's never fought five rounds before this is obviously a big moment he's built for for five as far as I'm concerned you watch this guy on the on the embeddeds and all that stuff like leading up and like he looks pretty at ease he's got you know he's training with Adesanya and those guys like that their coach what's his name again uh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, nah, I know a, what you're Eugene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eugene. Right. Coach Eugene. He, City kickboxing. That guy's a, a secret kind of genius in this game as well. Like, think about how many guys they're producing that, right that now. That gym is City Kickboxing. Is Hooker, Adesanya, yep. Volkanovski, to a far lesser extent, Kaikar France. Uh, I mean, this is pressure versus somebody being able to fight off the back foot. Max is very, definitely fast enough and has good enough footwork to... To employ that game plan and win as as Volkanovski crashes forward, be able to pick him off and kind of like a Wonder Boy type of style of fight where he's going to hit him a couple times and then move off on angles. Max is fully capable of doing that. Um, but it's that's not a guarantee. Um, I would be, I don't think I'm going to bet this one, at least at this point in the week. I'll watch weigh-ins and maybe get a better idea as the week goes on. I guess if I was going to bet, I would take the plus money on Volkanovski like you did. But um, this one is just so good. And I definitely see the path to victory for both guys. Yeah, so yeah. it may be a stay away on DraftKings, which we'll get to at the end. Look in the time description uh, for or look in the description for time codes to that. <laughs> you need the winner of this fight. Yeah, I am like convinced. And like this is like a cash stack. So uh, you can make an argument that like the first fight. Or the main event, you can kind of avoid if it stays a striking affair and there's, you know, there's no grappling, that type of thing. And maybe Kamaru Usman keeps his distance. I could see the pass for that one. This one, it's like the winner is going to score Bokuda points. Like Alexander Volkanovsky averages like 110 points per fight. He's $7,500. If he becomes the new champion in the division, he is uh, he's going to be a must-have on your roster. And on the on the flip side, Max Holloway has went off for like 190 points against Brian Ortega before. Somebody who was like wasn't able to hang at his level of striking. Uh, he's 8,700. So yeah, you're going to need the winner regardless. Let's, let's move on to the women's bantamweight division. We have, uh, Amanda Nunez taking on Jermaine Durandamy. Uh, the champ champ is minus 280 favorite. Durandamy is plus 240. Cody, what do you think? I almost feel like I'm not trying to overthink this one because I think it could easily end up overthinking this one. 
But I feel like this is not Amanda Nunez versus Jermaine Durand to me. I feel like this is Matt Brown versus Jermaine Durand to me in that he's going to come up with the game plan. And if he comes up with the game plan, I don't see how Amanda Nunez loses this fight. Everybody's talking about the fact that Jermaine Durandamy is a killer kickboxer, and she very much is. She's one of the elite strikers of the division. And I think a Nunez is, she could be a better striker. She could be an elite level striker. But the only path everyone's talking about is, if this is purely a kickboxing match, could Jermaine Durandamy theoretically defeat Amanda Nunez? Yeah, sure. But Amanda Nunez is a BJJ black belt. Amanda Nunez is extremely strong. And Amanda Nunez has very good top control. Well, why wouldn't her camp, which is the greatest camp in the world, bar none, why wouldn't her team, the greatest team in the world, bar none, why wouldn't her coaches, the greatest strategists the game has ever seen, tell her stand and bang with this girl for the course of five rounds? Like I, I, don't, I don't see a world in where that's the plan. The plan is strike with this girl to catch her off guard and take her down. When you take her down, you should have your way. Now, Durandamy's made a lot of improvements. We can't disrespect this girl and say that she's the same fighter she once was. She's made a lot of improvements. But she's also no spring chicken. She openly avoided Cyborg because she wanted none of that smoke, whereas Nunez walked through Cyborg like nothing. Uh, her and Holly Holm was a competitive fight that almost everybody thought Holly Holm won, despite the fact that JDR landed two really dirty late punches after the bell that completely changed the course of the fight, whereas Amanda Nunez completely buzzed right th saw right through Holly Holm. It, it, it's a completely different world here. And then I'm looking at 280, and I'm just like, man, that's not even that bad of a price tag. Now, women's MMA has got a way of getting you and costing you money. And 280 is not a price tag you pretty much seek on anybody. And I'm the biggest Amanda Nunez hater. I think I've picked against her in the majority of her fights because I'm always talking about how she's going to gas. I'm always talking about how this, take this girl into late rounds and she's going to gas. And maybe this is the case here, but I, I don't know that Jermaine Durandamy lasts that long if Amanda Nunez just takes her down and has her way with her. And if the fight does stay standing, what, do you think she's a fish out of water? She's no. fucking extremely competent. So this is not as simple as just like kickboxing match. This is this is an MMA contest, and one girl has every MMA skill in the book. Her wrestling's not great, but she's really strong. She, she could get you to the ground. Mm -hmm. Whereas like the other, the other girl has one set of skills. That's yep. it. Just one, one single set. So I, I, how could you back it? I could see a pass. I could see you getting scared on 280 and say, I don't want none. I could see when we get to the DK side, I could say, man, I'm just going to take a clear pass from this one, go for some other options if you want to pursue it. But again, I, I, I don't know how Amanda Nunez blows this one. And so for that reason, she, she has to be the pick. Smart camp, too. I think she'll be yeah, shooting I'm, for that. I'm team. having faith in the camp, not as much her. In she'll, the camp. She'll be shooting I'm a, for a team. I'm a Nunez hater. I'm I an mean, ATT lover. She'll be, yeah, Mike, Mike Brown. Uh, I don't know who her direct trainer is, but either way. Listen, Colby's in the main event. They've got the staff working. Yeah, they're split up. It, yeah. or my, Mike Brown might not even be her head coach for this fight. It might be Dean Toms. It might be one of the other guys. Sure. I, I got faith they're in gonna the system. They're going to have a good game plan. They're going to be the looking for that takedown. system has been created. They're going to look for that takedown early, and she gets her to the ground. Like, Amanda Nunez will find a submission pretty fast. Um, yeah, it's hard to not back Nunez. I don't think we really have to say much more than that, to yeah. be perfectly honest. we got Marlon Marais taking on Jose Aldo at 135 pounds. Aldo looking like the machinist out there. Oh, boy. It is hard to feel confident. He is a plus 180 underdog. Marais is uh, minus 220. I mean, you see the pictures of Aldo out there. This is a guy who used to gas usually later in his fights at 145 pounds. Now we're stripping another 10 pounds off of a frame that never really looked like... He struggled to make 45. He, he never really looked like he had another 10 pounds to lose, except for when we see these pictures of him looking absolutely awful. I mean, it's hard... I'm I'm sorry. It's hard to back him. 
Um, this line has been, I think it was like minus 155 last week. Um, everyone, once these pictures started emerging of Aldo, people have been steaming it. Um, it's hard to back Aldo. It's, um, it's Mirai surpass as far as I'm considered, just based on the fact that like, I think this is a horrible idea for Aldo to move down to 135. I don't know if I'm crazy. What's your take here? No, I mean, if you want to draw comparisons, uh, his good buddy, Hedden Barrow just got the old cut and it's like their careers have very much mirrored each other. Aldo was a better fighter. He always was a better fighter, and he is in conversations for one of the great featherweight kings, one of the great pound-for-pound fighters for his era. But again, I was never super impressed with him with the level of competition he was beating. It's just those are the best guys that were available at the time. But when they fell off, it's like they fell off rather quick. Both guys have tried to search for success in a different weight class. Both guys have tried to switch things up, but ultimately just neither guy looks themselves. Now, what you have in Hen and Barrow's case is literally, literally, Paul, Every time this guy fought for his like one in six stretch run, people were discussing the possibility of maybe he recaptured some of the magic because at one time he was a highly touted fan favorite. And as you fall down into nothingness, you'll still remain that once highly touted fan favorite. You'll still take money. That's what I'm seeing with Jose Aldo is that the money that was initially on him, people have wised up here now and been like, what's going on? But the money that was initially on here, like they're giving this guy a legitimate chance against a top five contender in the division. The guy that's smoked out, you know, some of the best guys around that he could possibly fight. Whereas Aldo's looked bad at 45. He's going to somehow drop down to 35 and it's the difference maker. When we think about Aldo, right? In his prime, right? What was he known for? Mad takedown defense, great fucking leg kicks and just, you know, good power and pace. The pace is gone. The last mm-hmm. fight against Alexander Volkanovsky sealed that. By the way, what was that fight? 160 Volkanovsky? Like, it wasn't even it wasn't even that big of a price tag. Like, people were giving Aldo his respect. Yep. Did not pull the trigger. The leg kicks, those have been gone for years. The takedown defense, you used to have to try to take him down. But now you don't. You could just quite simply outstrike him. Like, he's lost all of the things that made him Jose Aldo. And coming back, or now jumping down to 135 after a career of struggling at, to make 45, after a career of gassing out later in rounds. And I mean a career. Mm-hmm. He's always done this. Why do you think Mark fucking Almanick took the fifth round off him? His face As was falling he, His head had a head coming out of yep. it and he still beat this guy in the fifth round. Yep. 10-8 fourth round. Well, apparently he had still the, won the flu fifth that round. day. That was the excuse. Oh, whatever. You yeah. know those Brazilians love excuses. But, <laughs> but... All the same. I mean, I, I just, you can't get behind this guy because he's got that like past glory that, that maybe he recaptures the magic a little bit. Now, you could be talked into it when he gets to Hennon Barrow's level, and Hennon Barrow was fighting nobody's by the end. Andre Uhl. Maybe you can make an argument that Hennon Barrow's going to beat Andre Uhl. Turns out he won't. Mm-hmm. But this is not the Andre Uhl of the division. This is not a lower ranked challenger of the division. This like, is a guy who had a title fight against Henry Cejudo. He got gassed himself, but you don't. You got to think, Marlon Marais left after that uh, such a disappointing letdown spot against Cejudo, and that guy was back in the gym with Frankie Edgar and all of his boys out in uh, New Jersey just, like, grinding since then. Yeah, on, like, that on, was an, on that top was, of that. That was his moment to shine, and, and he was looking good until he kind of slowed down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On top of that, it's just like, when you look at guys that have just exceptional cardio, right? Okay, it's all the pacing of the fight, right? Marlon Moraes, when he's having a striking battle with you, sizing you up because of throwing exchanges, his cardio, no problem. It's that Henry Cejudo is a special human being. In the first round of Marlon Moraes versus Henry Cejudo, Marlon Moraes danced on his ass. The problem is that Henry don't go nowhere. 
And when Henry wasn't going anywhere, he kept coming forward. He pushed the pace. He tired this man. He broke this man. The difference between Jose Aldo and Henry Cejudo is if you style this guy in the first round, a better version of him will not emerge for the second and third round. A lesser version of him will emerge for the second and third round. Yep. Your confidence is up after that first round. There's nothing that's going to balloon effect, destroy that, and kill your momentum or kill your, uh, your adrenaline. You're not going to suffer that adrenaline dump because this guy's coming back on. He's taking your best punches. It's like, I don't know what he has to offer. Now, I always talk about, you know, listen to the interviews, listen to the interviews. You got to kind of hear where the guy's mindset at. And with Jose Aldo, again, lost fighter, doesn't know what he's trying to do right now. But it's like, Jose, what's the what's the mindset of making 135? It's like, oh, I always thought I could make it. So it's like, he's not looking at a title run. He's not looking to establish himself as the best guy at 135 pounds. In fact, I would like to see Jose Aldo versus Henan Barrow and see how competitive that is as a sparring match in the gym. But for him to say, geez... Old Brow ain't what he used to be. He's completely broken down and just got caught. I'm going to go in that division and make it happen. It's like, no, it's a tough division. It's a tougher division than the division you're coming from. Bantamweight is the best division in the sport, my personal opinion. What do you think Peter Yan does to this guy? Fucks him up. No doubt about it. He's lucky he got Marlon Marais here. He should be fighting Uriah Faber. But anyways. That, you're right. They should actually switch... Yeah, Marlon like, Marais isn't this, hosts isn't Jose this the Aldo. Stupidest thing it should ever be Marais versus Jan and Faber versus Aldo. Yeah, yeah, and 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 that and, would be a lot more competitive on both fronts. And this and this is the sad reality of of the world that little Cody lives in in his mind is that you put that Aldo versus Faber fight and it's sick. And realistically, it's your lead into the pay-per-view to get yeah. people to buy. Because guys like my dad would watch it. Yeah. And it ain't going to be that good of a fight putting Aldo versus Faber. We've seen it. It wasn't that good. Now they're older. Whatever. Uh, but but at least we would get to see Jan versus Marlon Marais would be a more competitive fight. Anyways, just to cap it off really quick, Marlon's in, seemingly still in the prime of his career, has got good big money fights left, is going to fight the best guys in the division. Has all He's a better striker than Jose Aldo, more output, a little bit faster, understands the division, understands his cardio. I get the, the Henry fight. You can't factor that in here. Whereas Aldo has got every question mark in the world surrounding yeah. him, and none of them are good. The only positive you could draw is like, dude, maybe he'll just be huge for the weight class. It's like, then he's going to be slower than he usually is. And when he's slower, he's going to get styled on. Mm -hmm. So anyways, Marlon Marias, when it opened, oof, loved it. I personally didn't hit it there. I got it at 200. I see it's 220 now. It's only going to keep going up. Yeah. The fight could get canceled when it's time to make weight. Yeah, Aldo know. looks really bad and he's at 141 right now. Okay. So... He's, he's got to make 136. Six pounds somewhere. He's got to lose five pounds because they'll give him that the That guy's allowance, not carrying very like, much water on that frame right now either. No, I'll tell you that much. Remember how they used to call him Scarface? His name's Junior, but they used to call him Scarface because he's got the scar in the face, right? You, you couldn't really tell. You see those pictures now? His face looks mangled. It's like he's sucked out all the fluids from his face. Now you see all the lines. You see all the, the marks. You see all the cuts. And it's like, holy shit, dude. Like, why would your wife even allow you to do this? Anyways, let's move on to Peter Jan, your high favor. Yeah. <laughs> Does that make any sense? No. But uh, Jan is minus 515 favorite. Faber plus 410. Second time in a row. Faber comes in as the biggest underdog on the card. Made it happen. I'm once. sorry, that was lightning in a bottle that last time out. I I faded him, and yeah, you know I paid the price, did. and I learned to never. I, I made it all back by fading uh, Simon. It was a close fight, but fading fight Simon against weekend, yeah. uh, good fight against Rob Font this past weekend. So Simon and DK was a good play. So we're we're back in biz, but um, I'm sorry, yeah, Peter Yawn, the pressure, the pace. He's going to chew Uriah Faber right up. It's going to be kind of sad. That's what I think here. What about you? Yeah, I, I guess I understand the UFC side of it. It's like if we're going to bring you back, and, and 
They tried to shut it down. They tried to say, hey, stay retired. We gave you the picket fight. It was a cool little sign-off. You went into the California sunshine, the sunset. It's over for you. That was cool. When he came back, they were like, yo, let's feed him Ricky Simon. Whereas that played out to his advantage that like him and Ricky Simon match up extremely well. Ricky Simon is just younger Uriah Faber. And Ricky Simon may potentially have chin issues and he may potentially have eh, a submission defense issue. Faber has done this before. He did it to Michael McDonald. Catches you with a shot as you're trying to recover from just being caught from that shot you didn't see coming. Catches you in the choke. That's his little move. That's his little path to victory. If he is going to beat Peter Yan, that's what it is. But like who in their right mind bets a fight on the basis of he could land a lucky punch and then land a follow-up lucky submission? Like light, that's lightning striking in a bottle, right? And it just happened for him. Mm-hmm. So like what would be the odds that this is going to happen again? I can't see it happening. Peter Yan's my personal, one of my favorite guys in the division. I think this guy's absolutely phenomenal. If you look at his regional show career in Russia before getting signed to the UFC, he's got like fight of the year candidates. This guy, he's durable. He's got five round uh, championship level cardio. He's got it all. His striking, unbelievable. His ability to scramble when you try to wrestle on him, very good. He's young. He's hungry. He trains at a high level, trains all the time. And it's like, you got to give the guy a little bit of kudos here, right? Colby Covington had to pick up this persona. Colby Covington had to go the extra mile in order to get the fights that he wanted to get, right? Peter Yan's called out everybody and his mama. Nobody I wants to fight this guy, dude. Out. Dude, he tries to fight. He tries to fight every single human being at 135 pounds in the said guy division. Speak English, like that's not. Somebody's, him. somebody's he's working. He's not his running account. that social media. Somebody's account, running his Cody. account. Man, yeah, yeah, yeah. the guy doesn't speak. <laughs> it's probably the same guy that runs uh, Gilbert Burns. No, I think that's. Burns. Are they managed by the same people? Are they all Ali? I'm not sure who. I, I think I think that's Burns. Whereas I say the thing with Peter Yan, maybe it may actually be Burns. But no, Peter Yan doesn't speak English, okay. so like all of these callouts and stuff, that's his manager doing it. Fair. I'll, I'll say Burns does it. We'll say Peter Yan does. It. But the conversation must be, Peter, you want you down to fight any of these guys? Duh. You fight this guy? <laughs> Duh. This is like okay. Then I'll call them out and I'll try to get a fight for you. But because he doesn't speak English and because he doesn't have some boisterous personality. He like it's it's very nice of the UFC to say, boys, we're a promotion. That it entails promoting. We need to promote this guy. How do we promote him, Dana? He doesn't speak English. Uriah Faber. Yeah, yeah. You bring in Uriah Faber, who ah, eh, we tried to give Simon the rub, and Simon's just not really all that good as we thought. This kid is good. This kid's gonna get the rub. This fight makes no sense. Literally zero sense. If Faber wins. He's in motherfucking title contention, which makes no sense to anybody. It yeah. does. Why would you give him a title contention level fight? Like the guy just retired. When he's when he's just he literally just retired. He's just here for a good time. You know, he's not here for a long time, but he's here for a good time, Paul. Yeah. Don't give him contention fights. No. Whereas Peter Yan is just chomping at the motherfucking bit, ready to go, saying, "Let me at him." Uh, okay, then we will. We'll give you this fight, and then hopefully people will remember you as the guy that beat your eye, Faber, and you move on again. And Faber has always struggled against elite level strikers. They chop up his legs. They keep him on the outside. He just—he's not going to be able to take that distance punishment. He struggled so mightily in his fights with Aldo and Henan Barrow and Jimmy Rivera. Remember how shot to bits he looked against Jimmy Rivera? Mm-hmm. And you think he's going to defeat Peter Yan on what basis? Is, is takedowns? Ryan Faber, not that good of a wrestler. Sorry to tell you, I mean, he fought in a different time where nobody could wrestle. It's it's it'd be tough. Now I've never I haven't nothing. seen a soul out there betting Faber for the record, though. Yeah, which is a trap. That's a big trap because I I never <laughs> like, call. This line keeps moving. I keeps never call. I never call nothing free money because free money doesn't exist. But it's dude, it's only five fifteen. It's been moving. You should have got on a little when it was four eighty five. But like, that's it. 
Yeah. Part of me wonders, Greasy Theory part of me wonders. No, as long as that line moves, I don't get as panicked. It's when everyone hammers aside and it stays still. That's when you start to panic. No, everybody everybody knows what's up. The only people that are betting favor are just dog chasing. And guys that see, hey, he pulled off a huge upset in his last fight, so stylistic or Oh, this guy used to be a WEC champion. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and have those guys done lately? <laughs> okay. Uh, this next one is a banger. We got Jeff Neal taking on Platinum Mike Perry, minus 245 Neal, plus 205 Perry. All I can really guarantee in this is violence. Uh, hell of a fight. Really looking forward to it. Who doesn't like Mike Perry? The guy just shows up, and he's a fight. We were talking about it last week with like certain guys. You know, you got you got martial artists and you have fighters. Mike yeah, Perry yeah, yeah. is a goddamn fighter. Problem is, he doesn't really move his head all that much in exchanges. And Jeff Neal hits like a ship brick house, and he's got just such a just a clean left right down the pipe. Like Mike Perry's gonna eat a bunch of those. Mike Perry has a chance. We saw, I'm sure Neil has probably improved leaps and bounds since like losing in round three against Kevin Holland yeah, way yeah, back in the right. day. And Kevin Holland's 185 pounder. This is Ooh, he's a big 85 pounder too. For he's sure. And I, I, I think we've seen nothing but improvement from Neil. But like if Neil lays the beating on him very early on and we start to see him slow down, just like why hasn't this guy died already? I could see a path to victory for Perry late to get like a late knockout, something like that. But pick is going to be Neil for the purposes of the show. Um, maybe you talk me out of it or not. Uh, either way, like Jeff Neil, I just think he's the cleaner, more well-rounded mixed martial artist. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, you pretty much nailed it pretty good there. Jeff Neal is a lot cleaner. He's a lot more effective. He's just got the better striker, the, the better technique. One guy, you know, you could make the argument. They're both fighters. You can make the argument Perry... It's not a martial artist. He's a fighter. And Neil, Neil's the martial artist. He's a lot more crisp with his techniques. He actually has a bit of a submission game. And he's worked a lot on his cardio since those early problems a long time ago. Chains at 4 to 7 main. Like, there's no doubt that this guy's going to be be ready. But it's like, this guy's a dog as well. Like He's willing to sling bombs. And boy, oh boy, Paul Shaughnessy, can this man sling bombs. Mm-hmm. And, and here's the thing with Mike Perry. Mike Perry, not the smartest guy in the world. Uh, I think when he signs to the UFC... He's got this grand belief. Again, not the smartest guy in the world. He's got this grand belief that, like, I-, I could defeat any man on this planet. I do believe that. He comes into the UFC. They do him no favors. Give him Hung Yu Lim right off the hop. Hung Yu Lim is a big favor in that fight, if you remember correctly. Mm-hmm. And he-, he doesn't give a fuck. He comes in and he yells in his face at the weigh-ins. And he goes out there and he plows this guy over. And now he's pumped up and everybody loves following him on social media. He says whatever he wants. He becomes some great personality. He gets rolling. He gets rolling. Somewhere along the line, those defeats change him a little bit, okay? He loses a fight. He decides, you know, I'm going to leave. Winter Springs, Florida, and I'm going to go to Greg Jackson's. Goes to Greg Jackson's, mixed results, doesn't really get what he's looking for, misses his, you know, as Colby Covington would say, oh, wow, these guys are going to be in the same ratchet, room. Ratchet face I totally fucking didn't realize he's got in the same card. Yeah, that could be dicey. Oh, my. Oh. I mean, Colby just needs security wherever he goes these days. He's going to get boomeranged in the fucking face again. You just know it. I mean, Anyways. Mike Perry is not the guy you want to fuck with at the weigh-ins. Like, Mike Perry will hit you. Like, he's... I think he will very much. And things could get dicey. They better have security around. Yeah, hundred percent. They should. Because he's back with the her, UFC, and like they're engaged or some shit. They're now. engaged. Yeah. So, so the craziest thing is that like everybody is like, "Yo, man, this girl's no good for his career." She's she coached him in a fight and literally sat there and yelled, "Break it, break it!" Like, 
kill him, kill him. It's like this, none of this is advice that you could use. That's when Colby Covington comes out and trashes her. Then him and her, they break up. They broke up a soon time after that yeah. tweet, by the way. Like he woke up and was like, holy shit, she does look like a horse. What the fuck have I been doing? Anyways, they break up. He goes to New Mexico. Shit doesn't work out in New Mexico. He misses her. He moves back to Florida. And now he's been doing that Excel, whatever, Excel training center in just outside of Orlando. He's there. Uh, Jacques Ray Sous is there. Yeah. And Alex Nicholson's Alex there. Alex Nicholson, of course. It has not helped either guy. Alex Nicholson's dad, I think, is the head coach. Anyways. So, back to the confidence thing. Is that this guy goes from, like, that young, brash, say-what-you-want, 26-year-old who's smashing guys to, like, somewhere along the line. You know, the Alan Joban fight, the Max Griffin fight, that's the Santiago Ponzinibbio fight, the Donald Cerrone fight. Like, somewhere along the line, it starts to break him a little bit. Now, this takes us to the Vicente Luque fight. Perhaps one of his best fights as of yet. I think that's something that you look back and say, geez. But when that fight ends, Paul, okay? A lot of people thought he won. A lot mm. of people thought he won. He didn't truly believe he won. And his nose was so unbelievably shattered that it would need reconstructive surgery to get like the your uh, canal, nose canal, yeah, like sure. fixed. I don't know how he's going to do with that. Now he's back on the shelf. And then, again, goes back to the interviews. When they talked to him about that fight, I thought I was going to die. I thought, this is it. I thought, holy fuck. Now coming into this fight, interview just came out today, I think. I'm on the chopping block, he says. Uh, he's not on the chopping block. No, no. But the this fact the, that he's thinking yeah, like that is, the type is of guy. a he very a bad bunch sign. Of fights. If he yeah. loses this fight, they're going to give him some, uh, they'll give him a, who, who would they give him? If he loses this fight, it Larry doesn't Larry That would be anybody. like, the, uh, I guess that would be a technical guy that could beat him like Matt Griffin did. You give him Mickey Gall. Like, it, yeah, does, exactly. it, it truthfully does not matter. You give you him fight somebody for him to smash after this, get that confidence yeah. back up. That's what, that's what they should have done right from the yeah, get-go. they're not going to come. No, no, no. But they're, but they're paying him decent money, right? He's already fought contenders and beaten them like Alex Oliveira. He beat Paul Felder. He beat Alex Oliveira. This guy's got skill. But in any of his fights, it all came down to he's got a great chin, he's got power, and he's confident in his abilities. He moves forward, he believes in himself. He can make it a dirty fight and catch you. But he's not the most technical guy in the world. You can't believe for any moment he's the most technical guy in the world. So with Neil, Neil is more technical. Neil packs the exact same amount of power. Neil has a great chin. The only way Perry wins this fight, if Perry takes it into dead dog waters. Mm -hmm. And Perry at his best, feeling good, could do that. I'm not so sure Perry is at his best feeling that. Fair. Anyways, line, line's not great. Line's not great, even though no. I got Jeff Neal. 245 is not a great price tag. So I got Neal. I got Neal. The degenerate in me will have money on Neal. But but your best your best path here is could could just Probably be a pass. It's gonna be fun. It could be fight yeah, of the night. Yeah, just enjoy it. Everybody wins in this one. Why not? Maybe if this is your thing, steer clear. We got Ketlin Vieira taking on Arine Aldana, minus 165 Vieira, plus 145 Aldana. Have any interest in either side of this fight here? You know me. I love to talk, but I got hardly anything to say here. I mean, it's just a style clash. Ketlin yeah. Vieira's got the better ground game, and Irene Aldana is a better striker. Better now, Irene Aldana. Can she keep the distance? Can she stuff the takedowns? If she can, then she is faster and going to be able to circle on the outside. That's what we see with her every single fight. Yeah, yeah. But even in those fights, sometimes she is getting outstruck. Like, it's not as if it's so clear cut that it's like one's got a huge grappling advantage, one's got a huge striking advantage. It's like one's got a significant grappling advantage. And could hang in spots on the feet with Aldana. She pressures her, she pressures her up against the cage, makes this a dirty fight, slows it down, grinds her to the cage, grinds her to the ground. Could be a close fight. Now, my brain's telling me it's going to the decision. And close fight in the decision is not 165 Ketlin Vieira bet. But flip side to that, I wouldn't tell you dog or pass. Like I, I think I think this is just pass pass, not feeling it, tried to tape study it, 
could make a million arguments for either direction, not mm-hmm. feeling good. Price is not particularly great in any one point. When we got down to DraftKings, it's like Vieira could get a submission and score big for you, but it's like, eh. It could also be a very slow, trepid pace. I, I can see Vieira being a yeah a low owned GPP play on DraftKings when we talk about that. Eighty eight hundred bucks. Eighty eight hundred for one sixty five. She like, gets who a, does that? She gets an early early that? takedown. Nobody's yeah. When you look at the other, we'll talk about we'll it. talk so about like the, the other end, people yeah. all around her range. Just like most people are all going to go to the Usmans or the. Or the Holloways. That's like, why you could get low she ownership. She will be low owned. Yep, if she right. gets a first round submission, of course she can end up on an optimal lineup. But yeah, it's a fight I'm basically steering clear of. We got uh, Ian Heinish taking on uh, Omari Akhmedov, minus 150, plus 130. Heinish obviously being the favorite here. I'm interested to see. This is similar to like the Cummings fight last time out for Akhmedov. Like, Akhmedov's really big. At 185, I'm interested to see how much bigger he is than Heinish because I don't think Heinish really is all that big for 185 pounds. Size definitely matters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, size matters. Mar- Mario Madoff could take him down based on size. Yeah, yeah. He could. T- he got his way striking. Th- this Heinish has good wrestling too. He's got great cardio. <sighs> Heinish may be able to take over late. I think that's kind of what I think could happen here, but. Umari just has an ability to stall fights and make them ugly and keep them real, real close. Like I can see, I can see both sides. I can see the arguments for both sides here. I don't have a very, very solid take on. You know, we record this on a Wednesday during fight week. Do you? No. I'll give you a greasy theory. Okay. I'll give you a greasy theory because A, haven't given you in a while, and B, it's the card that is worthy of a greasy theory, especially because the contest giveaway this week a completely unrelated greasy theory but all the same people have been saying that Usman's on EPO I'm saying hey Colby said that yeah and people who love to buy into that shit have been backing that up I I think it's an outrageous claim although extremely fucking possible because this if you told me every guy in those DeWay classes on EPO I I, I would would, would believe you EPO I would be like Colby fights like a man who's on EPO I I believe you they're all on EPO you know your classic gas yeah they're all they're all cans that actually can't get through around but so colby's pushing that narrative cody's pushing on maria madoff is on epo narrative because how at 32 do you just change it all up man how do you move up a weight class and yeah i know how you know less of a weight cut and this and that but it's like he's a reinvented man keep in mind he got caught in the third round against sergio marais he's up two. he's cruising knocked out third round sergio marais completely gassed out zaleski de santos third round american madoff Completely gassed out. After that, it's like he did something. Something changed. He if you know, if you know, really big against coming. If you know, if you know what his management company, if you know what his management company is all about, we can buy right past that part of the argument. But yeah, just like the Kyle Nunk fight and Razak Al Hassan, right? It's like yeah, he doesn't got great cardio, but he's supposed to lose this fight tenfold. It's like man, he's 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 able to carry himself. The Vittori fight, he gassed in the third round. He did gas in the third round, but again. He, not like the way he used to. And then the Tim Boach fight and the Zach Cummins fight, they both go the distance. He gasses in neither of said fights. He's dealing with a much larger man in both scenarios. And it's like, it, it, it doesn't it doesn't seem to phase him. So right as soon as the fight got announced, right off the hop, I'm like, yeah, Ian Heinish for sure. Because it's an easy narrative. Ian Heinish got great cardio. Typically, he wins his fights later as the fight goes. Akhmedov starts well, loses the fight, 
the later the fight goes. Hey, that just writes itself, right? It's very easy. Here's where it's not so obvious is that Ian Heinrich is a slow starter. He gives up early rounds. Mm-hmm. Nakhmedov wins early rounds. So if you're sitting in front of your TV screen and Nakhmedov is gassed, right? And it's the third round and Heinrich is down too. You're going to be fucking sorry you bet that, man. You don't want to be chasing a third round finish when you're down too. Heinrich is the kind of guy that could give up to. Nakhmedov is the kind of guy that could go up to. So... I, I would say if you're a ballsier man than me, take the dog play, but I'm not going to do it. I'm just going to flat pass. Heinish has gotten a little bit of a cult following because he's made us some money in the past. People like him. People are backing him. Mm-hmm. People see the spot. They're not analyzing it overly. I think this could be a dirty trap line. This could be your apple pie shit right there. Ooh. Bold, bold take. All right, we got uh, Matt Brown returning. I thought he fully retired, to be perfectly honest. I thought Matt Brown was done. I'm not sure if he on social media said that he was retired. Did say he was done. Okay. Did he when, say when he you, was done? I'm just making sure because like I thought he was completely done, and then all of a sudden this fight kind of came out. Well, of it's called old read between the lines, Paul. When somebody says that they have brain damage mm-hmm. and they the the CT scan wasn't good, and I can't remember where I put my keys five minutes ago on a day to day basis, it's like well, okay, it's all over. But I, I don't know. I guess the brain is a crazy thing because the, Mark Hunt did the same shit. Mark Hunt talked about the fact that he couldn't remember and that the doctors were telling him he had this early onset dementia from the punches in the head and the UFC yanked him from that main card. Right? Chase Sherman just had an article about that recently too. About him himself? He would himself? Like forget where he'd like left his keys around the house. And stuff if you like got that. a concussion, and let me know, tell you, I know people that live day-to-day just, lives with like a concussion. just recently, and it was basically because he was worried about CT. Yeah, yeah. If you've got a fresh concussion, right, there's no doubt you're forgetting stuff, little things here and there. But eventually, it heals itself, you're good. It's when you have 9, 10 concussions, it's like the brain never fully repairs itself in mark hunt's case he's got a ton of combat sports experience i mean that the guy was boxed professionally he was a high level k1 kickboxer who fought the absolute creme de la creme in the golden era of kickboxing before even taking mma seriously where he got up all the way to title contention level and fought the best guys there's no doubt that he has that right chase sherman i don't know but the brain is a crazy thing some people can take punches some people can't Matt Brown can take punches. He's always shown off to be a good chin, but he's taken a lot of punches and he's taken a lifetime of punches. And even you look at his professional record, uh, what is it, 2016? Uh, 21 and 16. It's like the guy's been around a long time. He might not be getting knocked out, but if you look at the way he fights, he's a motherfucking banshee. And if you see the way he trains hard sparring day, he's a motherfucking banshee. And he he's one of those guys that I don't know just gets better. I, I, I don't know. But mm. he's one of those guys that talked about it. He's one of those guys that gave it time. And he's got a matchup here with Ben Saunders, who he should be able to knock him out. Yeah, again, and I said this already, so like I hate this to, fight I hate is to not steal going my to own decision. line. That is the one that is, I know that, I think that line's over minus 500 now, but like this fight, I would be very surprised if it goes all three rounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but I mean, we were four seconds away from Rosenstrike versus Overeem going five rounds. So oh, anything. It's MMA. Happen. It's crazy. It's obviously it's very much it's possible. But well, especially I'd be surprised. It's just Saunders just can't take the damage. And if it's Matt Brown that we even saw a couple years ago, like this guy has hellacious elbows, and he's always looking for the finish. Both of these guys have plenty of losses on their record. Um, they've both taken tons of damage. Uh, it's a steep price to pay for uh, Matt Brown minus three thirty-five. But you know, the you parlay know piece I think is that fight ends inside the distance. You, so know, you can add that to parlays. 
Um, I think that's the safer play than taking a side in this spot. I, I, I would say I'm going to, I got Matt Brown. I got Matt Brown knockout. I think Matt Brown knocks him out within two. I'm in on Matt Brown. I think 335 is an extremely great price tag. Could be, could be play of the week. Okay. Now, when I say all that stuff about the concussion thing, just, just keep in mind and then we can move on to the next fight. That was all right before the Sanchez fight where he blasted him with the elbow. He took no damage. Then he tore his ACL. That's why he's been out for a year. Right, mm-hmm. so it's a year layoff. Eh, you got that many fights, and you're his age. Your layoff ain't the worst thing. His head's taken very little damage outside of the sparring rounds he's been out there. Yeah, if he if he's if he's two thirds of the guy that fought Diego Sanchez, he takes out Ben Saunders in one round. Yeah, like it's amazing that Ben Saunders is even still on the roster. This is a very fun fight, very yeah. exciting fight, very very intriguing little fight. But it's like Ben Saunders can only win the fight by by submission on the ground. Damian Maya took a fucking long ass time to deal with Matt Brown. Matt Brown knows how to grapple. He's a black belt, very competent. Second and bigger thing is like, how does Ben Saunders? Is he going to just go take him down like you nothing? Have to go, like, a on him? Like, you have to get a knockdown, jump on him. He's got. Like, yeah, I don't think he's like, got the. If he pulls, if he really... pulls guard, he's fucked. But he could. He could. Get, Matt Brown's not a great wrestler. He could take him down, maybe, maybe. You know. But it's like there's a big difference between looking at a page and saying, "Oh, Johnny Hendricks took him down nine times," and saying Ben Saunders is going to take him down. Yeah. Big difference. Sure. So love ATT. I'm sure they'll give Ben Saunders the best game plan in the world, but he won't be able to execute to the level of Colby and Emmanuel Nunez. So that's one I've got to just stay away from. Chase Hooper takes on Daniel Tamor. Bad Tamor. Uh, Hooper minus 120. Tamor plus 100. Any thoughts here? So crazy. This card is unbelievably good. Everybody loves this card. Everybody's all on board this card. And like the most debated fight that I seem to see <laughs> is Tamor versus Hooper. Like, like I just, I, first of all, I want to be like, who gives a fucking shit? Yeah, you, There's no side you, you can take. That's a great fucks. side. You There's sick no fucks for side. taking all of that time out of your week to think about this one when there's all, when there's a smorgasbord of top end MMA talent yeah, all over. Yeah, yeah. You're wife's like oh you're tape studying again honey it's not like bitch come on it's matt brown i'm late in the card it's matt brown give me some time it's not like oh it's marlon marais it's jose aldo it's just like i'm watching austin hooper like i'd leave your bitch ass it's chase hooper yeah yeah sorry austin, austin hooper's hooper a tight end, is a tight end for the, uh, he's the most the Falcons. he's the most famous hooper is he having a bad year because this kid's not yeah, having much of a better he was injured who hooper could someday be like uh your your boy bryce mitchell someday but he's really young and really green. And like, he's, he's a very opportunistic uh, grappler. He's got some good grappling. You can see the motions there. It's just like, why would this kid be fighting in the UFC at this he's point? so green. When he fought on the Contender Series, it was like, holy shit. This kid seems like he just cut out a math class to travel down to Las Vegas to fight. Like, he's young. He is green. He should lose this fight. He gets his ass kicked early. But he perseveres. This kid's a fighter. This kid's got something. But even Dana's like, I can't sign you to the UFC. It would be a bad idea. What I can do is give you one of those uh, Greg Hardy type deals where it's like, I'm going to sign you to something saying, we'll give you a little bit of money to fight on these regional show promotions, build you up, bring you to the UFC. From what I've seen, he's still five or six more fights on the regional show before coming over to the UFC and doing doing anything significant. Now, Daniel Tamor, they gave him one hell of a good matchup considering Daniel Tamor, his pitfall is everything that Hooper does well. But at the same time, like this guy knows how to strike. He's a former Swedish Muay Thai champion. He's obviously his the far less of the talented of the two brothers, but they're both good strikers. They're mm-hmm. both guys that he doesn't pace himself like Daniel or he uh, with David, which I'd like to see a little bit more of. But like he's got nasty low kicks. He's got a big winging hook. And if we've seen anything, he, he feels like he relies solely on his power, but he's figuring out a little bit. Like his power is not that great. He's got to go a little bit longer. He's got to go a little bit deeper into these fights. His last fight shit show tires out massively. 
but he showed us I can push through and land my strikes. As far as this fight goes, I see almost no scenario where this is live bet in the half. Hooper will not win the first round against Tamor. Mm -hmm. He's not physically strong enough to take him down the open field early. He's not physically strong enough to hold him up against the cage early. And he's not a good enough striker to give him anything to think about, right? Daniel Tamor, plus he's really tall and lanky. His leg's right this there for the kick-in. should be the first live bettable fight on the card as well. I would hope so, because that's a great spot. Hooper, is he's tall, lanky, his leg's exposed. Daniel Tamer likes to kick. the order stays like this. Daniel Tamer will go in, he'll kick, 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 he'll beat up the leg, he'll hurt him, he'll, he'll, he'll will win the first round. Now is when you got to think, do I got the goal to bet this on that? Daniel Tamer's got a bad gas tank, and he's got bad submission defense, overall not a great grappler. Hooper can fucking grapple, man. It's just that he's literally got to find a way to fall on top of you because mm -hmm. he's got the other skills are lacking him currently. Yeah. I envision a scenario where Hooper wins this fight late. But again, I hate, similar to the Akhmedov versus Heinish fight, I hate betting a fight that I know one guy's going to go down early. Hooper could very well, very well go down too finish in the third. Yeah. Or he could go down to rally in the third and not win, right? So that's a pass, but the line tells you it's it's, yeah, it's a, a pick'em. Pick that's why when I see these people debating, it's like, bro, there's there's a good side on both of these arguments. I understand both sides. When you when you're telling me what you're telling me, I get it. Lock it in. It's a But like this is not the fight to make some money I on. can't believe people are picking the other side. It's just like, well, someone's going to win. They'll be like, "I if fucking told you so." Yeah. Hooper's nose is to the left. He's bleeding. His legs mangled, but he got a submission in the third. You told me so. Absolutely. Or Tamer cruises. Yeah, like these guys I fight a hundred times. I don't one guy know. wins forty eight, the other guy. That's wins not a, that's not a disrespect to anybody that has been talking about that fight. Like don't don't feel like oh Cody's talking. I, like I'm just I'm just shooting the shit and being like this is a fight that sticks not, out not, strangely on a, such a stacked event. You're not firing shots at anyone in specific, just the entire community. <laughs> oh no, that's what I don't want to oh. be perceived as. I love everybody. Right, let's just move on. We've got Kai Kara France taking on. Brandon Moreno, Kaikara France, minus 165. Brandon Moreno, plus 145. Kaikara France is a little bit overrated, mm, I think. You're catching on that too, are This is the spot. This is the spot where I fade. Um, oh, that, that Pava fight, he was... <sighs> he should have lost. He's lucky. I had him. <laughs> Thank God he didn't He was down it. under because yeah, yeah, you're yeah. not getting that decision if we're in Vegas. I'll tell you that much. Um, And then, you know, he did what he had to do against... Against uh, Mark De La Rosa, but like that was a pretty low level fight. Brandon Moreno, sure, he's had a bunch of losses. He's pretty wild, but like he's fought some really, really legitimate talents uh, in this division. And I feel like if the fight gets real, real greasy, he's got that like super, super guillotine choke. His striking ain't half bad. Um, I don't know where he's training for this camp, but he's doing a lot of time at like elevation. Yeah, I thought that's where he was with those guys. I liked it when he was there. I don't. I don't know if he still continued there, but plus one forty five. I know Kyle Kara France is from City Kickboxing with all those other guys, and you know, I'm sure he's been spending a lot of time with Volkanovski. Maybe not so much. He's quite a bit smaller in Volkanovski, I guess. But I'm sure they're gonna be very much ready for this fight. But plus one forty five, I'll. Take a shot on the dog, Brandon Moreno, here. Um, I just think Kai Kara France, he's a flyweight that kind of depends on his power. Like, his power is, like, his best thing. And flyweights, power, that's not something that is a sustainable win. Um, so, yeah, I think Br Brandon Moreno is the play. It's dog or pass for me. What about you? Yeah, I'm feeling the same thing, dog or pass. Uh, not only was I very much aided by the judges... And Kai Kara France's last two fights ago, sorry, that Roland Pava fight. Not only did that save me a lot, 
But Brandon Moreno's suspect judges giving that draw versus Askarov. Woo, that saved me too. I didn't really think Moreno had made those steps. I didn't know that he made the progression. He's only 26. He's young. We saw flashes of brilliance. And remember that fight uh, with Pantoja? He's ranked 16. Pantoja's ranked 1 heading into the tournament. Mm-hmm. Fights him in the opening round. Man, that's talk about some bad luck for a young 23-year-old kid. And he lost that fight. But he gave a great account of himself, especially in the earlier couple rounds. It's like maybe there's something there. You see him come to the UFC, picks up a couple nice little wins here. Fades. He's at elevation. I just I checked now. He's back in Tijuana, Mexico, which I don't love. Had spent a little bit of time at the Performance Institute in Vegas, like bounces around a little bit. Like I, I, I don't know how much improvements he's making, but he's a legitimate grappler. Like he's actually a pretty decent grappler. If he gets on top of you, he can have his way. That Askarov fight is a good example. Askarov is probably a better striker, but like Moreno's Mexican man, you can't, you can knock him out. He's got a cast iron chin. Now he's added that grappling element into his game. Like that was what evaded him before. He used to just wing bombs, wing bombs, wing bombs, have his way with you. You could take him down. Now he wings bombs, wings bombs tries to pursue the takedown on his own. He's always developing. It's not all there yet, but we got something to work with. Whereas Kaikara France, again, only 26 years old, but I don't see the same skill transition. This is not a guy that's worked on his grappling. This is a guy that just basically strikes. Only I don't know that he's got, he does not have the power to defeat Brandon Moreno. And the when he doesn't finish opponents early and it's forced to go longer, mm-hmm. he starts out slick. It's like when you watch him early, it's, damn, this guy's tight. He's technical, doesn't make a whole lot of mistakes. The longer the fights go, he's pulling up short on his punches. He's getting hit a lot more. His activity falls right off. And that fight with Pava, it's like you're in your own backyard. There's no cardio issue here. There's no weight cut issue here. You're flyweight. Uh, and you comfortably make it. That was you should You should have your way with this guy, right? Not only does Pava outwork his ass, Pava ended up, uh, it was a cut stoppage his next fight. But but the illustration was, it's like, he's not even a top prospect. No. Kaikar France is a top prospect out of this great gym that's producing world champions and world champion is contenders. Is he top prospect? He's on the ultimate no, fighter no, and no. he was nothing he wasn't special good. in that spot right. either, right? He's got the perception of because he's rolling with these guys. Yeah, that he is those guys. He is... As he continue, if maybe, he loses may, his fight, maybe maybe loses his maybe three years from now, maybe maybe he just progressively gets better just being surrounded by those guys. But in this spot right here, I don't think he's this there. this is a crossroads for him in my book because mm-hmm. if he goes out and beats Moreno, they're both twenty six, they're both still considered prospects. He beats Moreno, he is very much a prospect. He loses to to Moreno. Do you know what that makes him? Do you know what that makes him, Paul Chauncey? Spendable. It makes him Jean Vellante. It makes him Jean Vellante. He's friends with Chris Weidman, <laughs> but he's not. Chris Weidman. Nowadays, you can't really make that joke anymore because it's like, shit, maybe he beats Chris Weidman. Uh, but there was a time where it's like people would always be like, man, look who he's training with. It's yep. like, that that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where he's at. Other thing to take in consideration is that like Adesanya's 185 pounds. Like Hooker's a big 40, a big 45. Volkanovski used to play rugby at 200 plus and is a 45. You're like, is Kai France benefiting from being around those guys? Yes. The work ethic there, the game plan. I, I get it. It's a good place to be. I'm he, sure there's other dudes there that are he's really, not, really he's talented not that we've never heard that. of. But. Yeah, yeah. Whereas this could be a flat pass. To me, this is dogger pass. I would have some exposure to Brandon Moreno. That plus 145 seems a decent. It's a pick him. It's a pick him that you're going to be 45 on. I'll take that. Viviani Arroyo takes on Jessica Evil Eye. Minus 170 Arroyo. Plus 150 I Hot takes here. Yeah, I mean, I've been talking a lot about, like, these narratives, and they're not all going to work out. But, like, Jessica, I, for some reason, people just don't like her. She's complained a whole lot. You look at her, you look at her, she got head kicked by Valentina Shevchenko. It's a world title fight against the greatest girl to do it right now, 125, ever. So it's, the division just got created. But she's the best. 
And, and now and now she's coming in at plus 150 against Viviana Arroyo, who's got some skill, but like eyes Jen, when she's not getting kicked in the face, they're always close fights, Paul. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of close fights. The Chukagian fight. And Chukagian A, she got a great style for winning. Split decision. The the Kalindra Ferry fight, split decision. The Rose Clark fight, split decision. Her losses. Betch Gohea, split decision. The Misha Tay fight, they went the distance. Juliana Pena, they went the distance. Mm-hmm. Alexis Davis, split decision. They're all close fights. So I want to tell you, hey, this is likely the way I've seen it, the way I've come when I've looked at my tape on it, could be a close fight. Arroyo probably wants to get this fight to the ground. If she's unable to get to the fight to the ground, go ahead. Do you think she's going to try to? She won't be able. To, I don't think she'll be able to. I wrestle. think. I think. I think the only considerably better wrestler. Yeah, but it seems Arroyo's to me, more of a of a stand up Muay Thai specialist. Well, you know what? I could be completely off on it. I could be. It could be a stand up battle in where you've got I is a is the boxer. I think Arroyo is just like super. Is probably going to have a speed advantage and um, should be able to pick her apart from distance. Uh, the question is whether I is able. The problem is with Jessica. I just don't think she has great, great game plan. She comes in and like her game plan, I in mean, my opinion it's, here. It's the kind of game plan that leads to close fights that you yeah. could win, you could lose, right? They are close fights. You're right. Maybe she gives up the the kicks. Maybe she gives up the speed advantage. She gives up the length advantage. She gives the outside. But all she wants to do at the end of the day is just have a boxing match in the MMA ring, right? So to not take her down, to not threaten the takedown, you're just playing into her hand. Anyways, where the last fight we said it, it it's a dogger pass like the dog, all these fights it's like it's a pass. This is the same thing. Don't get into too many. I see some value in just guy. I'm just yeah. gonna bi- blindly bet a dog. She has always yeah, this been is a, a stay away been, been a well. yeah. Every time you watch her fights, they're close. You bite your nails. You don't love it. She wins. You're all happy. You made the pick. She loses. You're all sad. You made the pick. But at the end of the day, you just shouldn't have made the pick in the first place. This would be another classic Jessica. I see some merit to her. I'm just not willing to pull the trigger at 150, even though it's a decent enough price tag. And finally, we got Puna Soriano taking on Oscar Pachota. It's a straight pick. Do you see value on either side here? Uh, we're just, we don't really know all that much about Soriano. That's, that's the issue. He won on the Contender Series. He didn't look great winning on the Contender Series. They were supposed to ship him over to Russia, where he's supposed to take on Yandiev. I had greasy theories about oh, that. Oh, that was that a I'm good theory, save, too. That I'm going to save for the next too. time Yandiev uh, shows up. Um, if he ever does show up again, that guy's got a real checkered past. But, um, I, yeah, I just don't know enough about this kid. I, I wasn't impressed with him on the contender series. He seemingly got a contract because he was managed by Ali Abdelaziz. Uh, I don't, and you know, and you got Pichota, who's like uh, he's Cage Warriors champion, correct? Yeah, well, Pachota, yeah, Pachota's the Cage Warriors champ. He's yeah. a he's a high level BJJ black belt that's competed in some of the greatest grappling tournaments in the world. And despite the fact that he got submitted his last two fights, I know that looks funny. It's like he, legit credentials. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I'm I'm stumped by this one, to yeah. be perfectly honest. I yeah. guess nobody's lining up after him coming off of two losses to, to bet Bichota. But, like, Soriano looked pretty pretty green. He looked like a guy who has potential, um, has heart and everything like that. But he's pretty young and, and unrefined right now. So I don't have a hard pick, but I guess I would take Bichota. But, yeah, no, I'm not... Uh, I'm not really sold on anything yet. What about you? You you could pass on the first three fights and there'd be no problem about that. Yeah. They are close enough. Um, yeah, I, I got I got Oscar Pachota as well. It's, it's Soriano, th- this is the thing, is that there are question marks there. How good is this guy? What is this actual skill set like? What's he gonna how's he gonna react when he's put into certain spots? But like he has Ali Abdelaziz as a manager. He was given a contract when he didn't deserve a contract. 
He was given the strangest fight in Russia in his first fight against Yandiev. No fucking sense does this make, mm -hmm. uh, which eventually gets bailed out on anyways. Are they are they are they looking to do him a favor? Are they looking to build this guy up? And it's not as if Pachota is just a nobody. Like Pachota is former cage race champion. He's also got four UFC fights. Yo, he lost his last two. Yeah, Demir Shart and Rodolfo Vieira. Like, come on, man, that's not that bad of a, a tune. His striking, he's very tall for the weight class. He's got a good length to him. His striking's improved. He's not a striker, but it's improved. His wrestling, meh, got a good chin on him, and he's got that grappling. So Soriano might be able to keep this fight standing the first round, bomb on him. I hear the guy's actually got some decent wrestling as well. Maybe he uses his wrestling. I don't think he uses the wrestling, actually, because he's going to go right into the trap of Pachota, who Pachota does not mind playing off his back, especially against a young neophyte like this. So we got a striking battle. I would give the advantage to Soriano. Problem is, I wouldn't give the advantage to Soriano for 15 minutes. I'd give mm -hmm. him the advantage until he starts to tire. When, once you start to tire and you start to get hit, then we see what you're made out of. I haven't seen that out of him, mm -hmm. so I don't know what he's made out of. But I have seen so many of these guys come to the UFC. It's not for them. You look off, Joe, Joe Gigliotti. You look awesome in the regional scene. But it's like you come to the UFC and somebody cracks you in the mouth. It's like, oh, fuck. You try to shoot a takedown on somebody who trains every single day. This is their bread and butter. Oh, shit. Didn't come as easy as it used to. Uh, part of me thinks that Soriano could get a gut check and fold up. Now, Pachota's on a two-fight losing streak. It's hard to back him. He's got the skill. It's even because one guy's losing right now, but has got better skills, and one guy's undefeated and could potentially be better than we're giving him credit for. But you're taking a chance. You're taking a chance. You're taking a chance on either Soriano is actually good, which we don't know yet. He is actually good, and you're betting it, or you're betting that he's not good and that Pachota, two-fight losing streak Pachota, is good. By the way, I had a lot of money on Rodolfo Vieira, right? And Pachota fucking looked decent in the early portion. And then, thank fucking God, hit the ground. Rodolfo does what Rodolfo does. But, like, it was a moment where I was like, I ain't going to disrespect this guy again. Whereas I bet a lot on Soriano in his contender your, your, series your fight. Cheeks, he didn't, he didn't look that clenched. good. That's didn't for look sure, that. huh? The butt cheeks, goddamn right. Butt I was like, were, were tight. Yeah, because I didn't want no shit slipping out into the pie. And he, trust me, he was on every single parlay. He was the fucking pie. Yeah. So anyway, this kid made some improvements. Can't be overlooked. Soriano did not impress me. The pick would be Pachota, but again, you you could pass. All right, let's go through the DraftKings breakdown for this card. Um, we start at the top. You have Peter Yan, who's ninety four hundred dollars. Pretty safe if you can. Get up there, I would imagine, to uh, to pay up for your boy, who's who averages over a hundred points every single time he goes out there. The guy just puts an absolute pace. I'm sure you agree with that statement. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Looking at the guys from the high end proportion of it, Peter Young, Faber has still got some durability. It's not as if this guy's got is someone who's lost his chin. It's not like he's got submission defense problems. So there is a world that exists where Peter Young beats on him for 15 minutes, doesn't get you that finish. Mm, I don't know, but it's like 85 or something. Like yeah, that. but he does have tremendous pace. So one could envision a world where even if he scores no takedowns against Faber, there's no ground transitions, he could get enough significant strikes to get you roughly what you need to get. He's going to probably be one of the higher priced guys, but. I can see people avoiding him because he's that extra few hundred dollars. Moving yep. down, you got Brown. He feels so much safer to guarantee you some points. Like, like barring he should have... Yeah. Taking on Chinny. I mean, every time Ben Saunders fights, his opponent is a DraftKings play because you know 
that it's not going to take much to knock this guy out. Here's a feature DraftKings should add. You know how you can click on them and see their past history? You should see what their opponent has scored against them. Because yeah. when you fight Ben Saunders, you get the rub. It's a, it's a get you right get, spot. You get the DK rub. Oh, it's just sure. like, I'm scoring 100 points. Bebe. Matt yeah. Brown. Uh, There's is, a knockdown somewhere there, plus some yeah, other yeah. significant strikes. It's, and it's like, oh, dude, Matt, in his last fight, he knocked out Diego Sanchez. It's like, think about that for a minute. Who knocks out Diego Sanchez? Yeah. Hey, Diego Sanchez has had shots miss him that would knock out Ben Saunders. So I, I, I think that's a strong one. Man, Nunez, $9,200. She could get a little bit of favoritism being the champion. She did finish Holly Holm. Who saw that one coming? Five, Does have that submission five game. rounds. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not looking, I'm not really looking to hammer that. It is five rounds. The $9,200 kind of scares me a little bit in that Durandamy is in slow pacing affairs. Mm-hmm. Nunez is smart enough to respect her. She's actively her. avoiding, yeah, she's <laughs> going to try to slow the pace of this fight down. Yeah, and like Cyborg hit her and hurt her. Like she understands the elements of striking. She's not going to go out there and just bum rush her. Like she's going to try to take her time, seize the moment, take this into some I mean, later that's what rounds. She did against, yeah, against uh, Shevchenko. Take your time. Those were not big scoring fights. No, no. And so. I, could, I could honestly see this one going the same way. Okay. If she does what I think she can and should do, get that early takedown, get the submission. But that look, is, if that they is all, if they all do what I think they can do, then we'd sure. be fucking rich. Yeah. So, anyways, uh, Neil Neil interests me. He's ninety one hundred dollars. The problem is no takedowns, no submissions. He has to knock out Perry. <sighs> Who knocks out Perry? Yeah, that one worries me. He's he's traditionally a high score because he gets the finish. Yep. Take that off the table against Perry, and he bombs Perry with eighty of the nicest shots, it, scoring you what forty DK points with no takedowns. Maybe no he gets transitions. a knockdown somewhere in there. No, he gets a decision. You don't think he can knock him down? Oh, he can maybe. knock him down. Dude, he stumbles, he's, he's and Mike Jeff Perry Neal just stumbles back uh, to his feet. Anybody can knock like, out anybody. That's in play. Of course he can knock him out. but Knock if, him down. Yes. He 10 could points knock him for down. the knockdown. Which would put him, if Not he got... Not necessarily a knockout. I'm saying that the knockdown, 10 points. If he so had, like, if he had if he 80 got, significant strikes, yeah. that's 40 points, right? Yeah. And he gets the decision win, 25. That puts him at 65 points. And he gets a knockdown at 75, 75 points. But he's $9,100. Yeah. So you're gonna. all I'm saying is that he would have to finish him, which I don't fully see, or just style on this motherfucker. Which he could. That, he could. I don't I see just, it as. I, I don't see it as prevalent of a of yeah, a situation. I agree. I agree uh, moving on, Marlon Marais. That's actually the same thing to me. It's like he he should style him. He mm-hmm. could score a lot. But Jose Aldo has a way of surviving. And Jose Aldo has a way of sitting there and allowing nothing to happen. That slows down the tempo of a pace. Frankie had the same problem at UFC 200. You pull your punches on him a little bit. Uh, could could he go out there and put put on a masterful performance and, and knock out Jose Aldo? Yeah, I'm not fully seeing it. And he has nine thousand dollars. So. I'm hey, thinking. I'm, I'm you, thinking. You just you need the first pass. round knockout with based on how what his fight style is. You need that first round knockout probably for him to return value. Yeah, yeah. The other high plays, Kamaru Usman. I'm going with Colby Covington. If you're an Usman guy, he should be able to score a lot. But he's another example. You take takedowns off the table. He's just going to get it on punch output. He's got output, mm-hmm. but I trust Colby Covington's 140 strikes a lot yep. more than I would trust Kamaru Usman's 80 strikes. Same so that's here. why I'm going that way. Vieira, that's a flat pass. Me, Max Holloway, the guy scores big. When he scores, he, right? The, I, I, the I winner. See of, I see. It. I don't. I'm not going him. This is either a pass or a dog for me personally. I'm not going him. But there's no discrediting $8,700 Max Holloway. Fucking five round situation. I don't see a path for the winner of this fight to not end up on the. the and you, you said it. You said your best. Stack the shit out of this on a cash game. Cash game. This is the stack fight for sure. I'm sure you. Other people are going to stack double stack. I think or is in play. I don't. I don't. Really, I play mostly GPP, but like I would double stack yeah, the two. I will players. have a hundred percent own. Like I will be hundred ex- percent exposure to this fight. 
Um, I'll have Max Holloway and Volkanovski. I think you, uh, there's 13 fights on the card. It's really hard to like find somebody getting an optimal with two, two guys. But like, this is the type of fight that sometimes sneakily, sneakily, you're like, oh, the loser of the fight still scored like 90 points and ends up on an optimal. Like, I think that's also still kind of in play, but you need, you need it. This is the fight that you need. To have some owner, or you need to have some uh, exposure. To yeah, well, well, well said. Too. You got to, you got to put your flag on one of these guys and hope they pull be. it off. Now, moving on to those. Now we're into the mid range. Arroyo, not feeling it. Pass on for that. This is just me talking. Car France, not interested. You, you interested? You know what, Car France? You don't want Arroyo, do you? I'm interested. 86, in 85. Moreno at 77. Right. In Ian Heinish, 84. Again, just talked about it. Hooper for eighty three hundred dollars is a fucking GPP play, but he's got to do. He's got to get the fight late. He's got to get that submission late. Mm-hmm. Outside of that, he's not going to score significant strikes. He's not going to get some great takedown. Great takedowns. He could style a little bit, get ground transitions, and he could get that submission. But for eighty three hundred dollars, I mean, fuck it. If you're going for it, you got to go for it, right? Soriano, we just discussed. Not not big on this. He's not going to submit Pachota. That's off the table. No. Nobody's really shown the ability to knock out Pachota. So even though he's only $8,200, if he's just relying on a striking affair and a decision victory, not enough. Pachota, he theoretically could submit Soriano. He could knock Soriano out as well. But we don't know enough about Soriano. Is he chinny? Does he have submission defense problems? I, I don't know. So how can I tell you Pachota's going to win inside the distance when I when I just don't know? He has a decent price. Daniel Tamor, same thing. If you're Team Tamor, we talked about this. that knockout. Yeah, if you're Team Tamor, then yeah. Why the fuck could he not knock a Hooper? He absolutely could. He's only $7,900. Akmadov. Akmadov's going to have to win a decision, and it's going to have yeah, to be Akhmedov's a greasy like decision. Basically, never a good So only he's only seventy eight hundred dollars, but he's still not a good player. No, play. he just fights such a slow pace. Like he's he's trying to actively slow down the pace yeah. of any fight that he's in. He's yeah. never a good DraftKings play. So so unless he had a massive wrestling advantage over his opponent, which he doesn't in this. So situation. at this point, it's like okay, Cody. Well, where are we going to save some of that? Where are you going to save some of that money? Okay, it's Moreno, seventy seven hundred dollars again. Decent submissions. The guy, he, he's got takedowns. He could get multiple takedowns. He could get ground transitions. He could score nice. 77 definitely got my eye on him. I don't have my eye on I. She's next down at $7,600. Volkanovsky, 75 If you're going to stack, you're going to have both of them. If you're playing GPP, you got to go one. He's saving you money, allowing you to get the other pieces and could still score huge. Yeah. Max Holloway could score huge, but he's expensive, right? Mm-hmm. So you're going for it. Again, you got to have your eye on that. Aldana, she's not a traditionally high scorer. Not enough for me. Aldo, I'm not chasing past success. No. Perry, Perry could drown this guy in the late rounds. $7,100? I'm not having a look at Perry. But do have a look at Perry. Yes, there's some merit there. JDR, she's so cheap, there could be some merit. But she's not knocking out Nunes, not submitting her, not taking her down. She would have to win a close, shitty decision. Not enough. Ben Saunders, no. Faber, no. But the ultimate play is Colby. Oh, God. Colby Covington, baby! They should just say, make welterweight great again. I don't care about politics, Paul. All I'm saying is Colby Covington is the play. If you want to just put things into a quick uh, a quick view here, right? Just as how he's been scoring. Against Robbie Lawler, 169.5 points. Desanos, 120. Maya, 74. Only that was a three-round fight. The other fights are also three rounds. Kim, 96.5. Brian Barberena, 137. Griffin, 124. You know what? How could I... You're going to send this to Pat Mayer or what? You just get a screenshot off the show, pal. How, how could I pass up on the value of Colby Covington? Tilt your head so, down a little bit. No. So that, <laughs> that is the pick of the show this week. One for old Colby. I think he's going to be on my DK lineup. And yeah, hopefully we can keep the, the momentum going and get a string of good events here as we cap off the new year. 
Pogi Rob's Man, pick parlay. This week we are like last week. We're basically on everything the exact same. Uh, well, it worked out last week. It doesn't usually work out last when week. When we so like the either. same picks, there's always something up. But anyways, yeah. to give the quick parlay to end things off, we're gonna go with Colby Covington. That's gonna be dog number one. I officially Alexander Volkanovsky, and that'll be dog number two. Amanda Nunez, we are gonna take her. Marlon Moraes, we're gonna take him. Favorites, favorites. Peter Yan, blind man, would pick him. Jeff Neal, two forty five. Yep. I'm okay. So I have to make a play here. I'd like to tell you pass, but because I'm forced into it and to make a play, I'll take Aldana. She is a dog. That'd be the third one. Amari Akhmadov, 130. I'm going to take it. I'm going to take that too. But yeah, the, the smart move is pass on those. Ben Saunders, 30-35 in. Chase Hooper will be the pick. Uh, Chase Hooper's going to be Matt the pick. Brown. You yeah, yeah, yeah. say Ben Saunders. Yeah, Chase Hooper's going to be a pick there. Brandon Moreno, he's also a dog. Jessica, Chase Hooper's the pick. Uh, I'll, take, I'll take Vivian Arreo. Yeah, Hooper's going to be the pick. I'll read it right at the end just as I circle the mirror. And we're going to go with Oscar Pachota. So, yeah. Covington, Volkanovsky, Manny Nunez, Marlon Moraes, Peter Young, Jeff Neal, Irene Aldon. Oh, my God. Mario Akhmedov, again, same situation. Oh, it gets dicey as you Matt, get Matt Brown, Matt Brown, Chase Hooper, Brandon Moreno, Viviana Arroyo, and Oscar Pachota. Good luck, people. Pint size your parlays down to maybe just six. Then four. There's just a lot of talent. And then put the three you like. And honestly, I do see money to be made on this card, but you don't have to bet every single fight. There's just a lot of high-level talent on this card. And when you have high-level talent, despite the odds and lines, it's not like last week where it's like it was low-level talent, and we liked the favorites in those low-talent fights, and it kind of all just broke the right way for us. It's all how the fight goes. Last week, you look at a card, and you you say, I don't like any of these dogs. Someone could say, Jesus Christ, man, you just picked favorites. You just picked favorites. Then you look at this card, and it's like, I like four or five of these dogs. Or at least I acknowledge that they got a chance to cash for some dog money. It's like, what's the flip? Every card's different. Yeah, every card's different, dude. It's just the two fighters that happen to be paired off in the ring at that moment. And that's it. I got to catch a train. So that's, yeah, as far as Thank it goes. Thank you to Cody Sapp for breaking down the fights with me as always. Cody's got a train to catch. So <laughs> let's get the hell out of there. Or let's get the hell out of here. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, again, vote for Mayo. Link is in the description. What else? Oh, yeah. In the comment section, leave your DK or like the episode, leave your DK handle and a greasy theory of who Lockport 3121 or what? Lockport Gambino Ford. Who is here and how is he connected to Pat Mayo? The people need to know. Anyway, but for, uh, but for Cody Saftik, I am Paul Shaughnessy saying goodbye and good luck. Experience. Experience.